Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the AM Podcast. My name is Marco Gonzalez. I'm Aaron Lovechick. And we are here for a very special episode today. With the conclusion of 2019, we not only end a year, but we end a full decade. So Aaron and I did our best to come up each with a list of our top 10 favorite films from this past decade. So sit back, relax, and enjoy AM's top 10 films of the decade. Now, a disclaimer that we have to put out there. This is a list of our top 10 favorite films, not the top 10 best films. I, uh, number one, feel underqualified to, to uh, just because by the nature of we haven't seen every movie this decade. So that's impossible to see, like, say, oh, we think these are all the best. I could very much watch a movie after this year that came out within this decade. and Be like, oh, well, this was the best one. But alas, time. So... Here we are. Here we are. We did our best. I don't know what to say. <laughs> and so something else that we should mention, we do have a background guest with us here today, our good friend, Tyler Armour. Tyler, say hello. Woo! Hi, everybody. Yes. <laughs> Welcome, brother. <laughs> so as we speak today, if you hear laughter or something in the background, that's uh, that's Tyler. So uh, the list that we came up with, we actually have three sections today. We're going to do a rapid fire round of just movies that are excellent, but didn't quite make it into like the honorable mentions or the actual top 10 list itself, but they're still excellent and I'd feel bad if we didn't talk about them at all because it kind of just gives a general sense of, you know, what we liked throughout the decade. And then after that rapid fire, we'll go into the honorable mentions, which are the movies that we also think are excellent but didn't quite make the top 10. And then, of course, after the honorable mentions comes the list from 10 to 1. So the way we're going to do that is... For the rapid fire, we're going to be switching off. Aaron is going to be starting out with his films that he thinks should be included in just his rapid fire. And then I'm going to do mine. And then when we move on to the honorable mentions, it's going to be the same. Once we get into the actual lists, we're going to be switching off. So Aaron is going to do his number 10, and then I will do my number 10. Then he'll do his number 9. So on and, and so, so forth. so on and so forth. Yep. Exactly. So yeah. All right, brilliant. I think... Uh, let's just without, jump right into it. Yeah, yeah. without further ado, let's <coughs> uh, get into the rapid fire okay. round. Okay. So... My rapid fire. First of all, I just want to say, wow, what a decade. Because, damn, this was hard. Just looking at lists and looking at what things we missed and whatnot. And oh, as yeah. well as just how many, the sheer number of things that come out within a given year, let alone 10. Nuts. Yeah. But anyway, I, I tried to, I'm going to try to do this rapid fire chronologically. So just kind of starting from 2010, working my way. I did, uh, I did the exact same Smart. thing. Smart. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Big brain. Yeah. Big hey, brain. Hey. Look at that chemistry. Big brain energy. Look Let's, at that chemistry between we go. teammates. Galaxy brain. Okay. <laughs> So, here we go. I've got Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Saw that one coming. Harry Potter hey. and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, Drive, Moonrise Kingdom, Skyfall, Pitch Perfect. It made it. You're, you're welcome, Marco. Yeah. I know. I know. Django Unchained. Yes. This is the end. It follows The Wolf of Wall Street, Pacific Rim, Ex Machina, Sicario, Moana. <laughs> <laughs> Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh. Yeah, huh? Yeah, huh? Oh. Shin Godzilla, which is neither of the American movies. It's actually the only Japanese Godzilla movie to come out this decade. The Favorite, Roma, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and The Lighthouse. Okay. Pretty good, huh? All right. That yeah. is pretty damn good. All right. Here we go with mine. I'm ready. True Grit. Oh, I haven't seen that. 
You haven't seen it? No. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you got to see it. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Got to remember. That's crazy that that came out this decade. Came out this decade. That's nuts. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, part 1 came out in 2011. Oh, uh, yeah. Two, part 2 was 2011. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. All right. But anyways, yeah. So Harry Potter. Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, yeah, I forgot one. <laughs> yeah, well, I what was the one that I reacted to? Um, uh, three billboards. I forgot about that one too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, so Zero Dark Thirty, Dark Knight Rises, The Avengers, Pitch Perfect. Let's go. Let's go. Prisoners, Inside Lewin Davis, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Ooh. Yeah, Dawn Ooh. of the Planet yeah, no, of the no, Apes. I, the second. I got you. I got you. I got you. Birdman, mm. Fury. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Straight out of Compton. Oh, I forgot to put out. Yeah, Dude, man. how did I forget that? Yeah. Damn it. I would expect that one for Oh, I, I, I'm slipping. I'm telling you, man, this list was hard to put together. It was that's really a, hard. That's a clear cut. Okay, might as well, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I got I to gotta, I gotta, no. remedy that. Okay, here's, that movie's fantastic. Right? Yeah. Okay, so then here's another thing we should mention. Aaron and I, while we've been planning this podcast, we have not shared any of these lists with each oh, other. Oh, yeah, I forgot to say that. Yeah, yeah so we're going to have duplicates. That's for sure. Yeah, we made a point to keep it pretty private. Yeah, so this is, this is all going to be, this is going to be news to us too. So it's going to be exciting. But anyways, uh, straight out of Compton. Ex Machina, Captain America Civil War, Yo, Logan, Yo, The Greatest Showman, and Ready Player One. Okay. Solid. Absolutely solid. I, 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 I agree with your you list as well. You remind me of many things that I uh, am ashamed that I have forgotten. And I know that I have done the same for you. <laughs> Yours too. Yours yeah. too. <laughs> okay. So uh, moving right along, we're just going to honorable mentions, right? Honorable so mentions. Not quite top 10 material, but definitely top 20 or however many, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Just didn't quite make the cut. I want to say like all of these movies, like if we're still like going off the arbitrary scale, like I call it, all of these movies are like nines and above. Oh, 100%. For the most part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So number one of my honorable mentions is the Lego movie. This oh, movie. That's a good this one. This movie will forever hold the title for the biggest surprise that I ever got out of a movie i thought this movie was going to suck and i thought i was going to hate it because i am a i was a huge lego kid that's all i did was play with bionicles for 12 years straight same i still do yeah but um yeah <laughs> no, like, i was i was huge huge on legos i was like what do you mean they're gonna make a movie out of this this is gonna be terrible i don't know who chris pratt is who are these people <laughs> this movie is one of my favorite things ever it is one of the funniest movies it's so so clever yeah love it okay um, all right good one good one yeah moving on the next honorable mention is the entire John Wick trilogy. What an astonishing, astonishing hit this simple little movie turned out to be. I wait, 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 wait. This is in your honorable, honorable mentions, mentions. Yeah, not your top ten. No, no, it was tough. This is tough. The thing is, the thing is, the thing is, if I was gonna put one in the top ten, it would have been uh, Parabellum Chapter Three because mm -hmm. I think Chapter Three is the best one. It is the best one. But if I, I just wanted to like, kind of condense them all together. And just put them as an honorable mention because number one, they're not done yet. Mm -hmm. Number two, the, my top ten was really tough. Yeah. It, oh my god. So so this list was. But hard, I, I would dude. be I would be remiss without mentioning John Wick. Right. It's completely rebirthed American action. It's clean. It's clear. It's comprehensive. And they're gonna keep them coming. It's perfect. I love you, Keanu Reeves. Next up, the other side of the Hollywood action coin, the Mission Impossible series. Possibly the greatest oh. subversion of the sequel effect of all time. Oh, how how do they keep getting better, Marco? I I genuinely don't get it. For ever starting with Ghost Protocol, because Mission Impossible Three is really good. But starting with Ghost Protocol, I think in 2011, 
and then Rogue Nation Rogue in Nation, 2015, yeah. and then Fallout in 2018. Dude, they're getting really, really good. Holy and they shit! Keep, I, I didn't include any Mission Impossible's on my list, and they now, keep now, I, now, themselves. yeah, I regret it. Yeah, they keep topping, or at themselves. least Fallout. At least Fallout's Fallout's nuts. fucking incredible. Yeah. yeah, but even like rewatch Rogue Nation when he's climbing the Burj Khalifa in the dust storm. Yeah, and, that. Oh, and then uh, Rogue Nation is the one with. Uh, Sorry, Ghost Protocol is the one with the Burj Khalifa. Rogue Nation is the one where he's like, the opening scene is him climbing the plane and it yeah. flies into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No. Christopher McQuarrie is quickly putting together, he's the director, he's quickly putting together a resume that ought to be like placing him on one of the list of the greatest action set piece directors ever. And uh, he's going to be directing the next two movies too. So, needless to say, they're in safe hands. Just wonderful what they've done with that. Yeah. Next up on the honorable mentions, not a movie, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just. The name should speak for itself, but let's do a quick rundown, shall we? So he kicks off the year with Inception. Yep. We're gonna get to that in a bit. <laughs> then concludes the trilogy of The Dark Knight with The Dark Knight Rises. Then he pumps out Interstellar. I was waiting for a comment. No comment. Just uh, for those listening, we're looking at Tyler right now because uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Hopefully, our, yeah, hopefully. our buddy has a has a hot take hot on take that on film. Interstellar. So he has Interstellar, then Dunkirk, then Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Yep. This man is the best director of our time. He's my favorite director ever. Thank Same. you, Mr. Nolan. I cannot wait for Tenet and what the twenties have in store. Yeah. So like he is he is my favorite director as yeah. well and. Uh, we're recording this right after the uh, the Tenet trailer just released yesterday. Yeah, so it looks it looks oh it, it's, it looks it so looks mind blowing, dude. It looks that reverse amazing. the reverse car. Yeah, oh, dude. Oh my god, dude. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm not ready, but I'm ready. <laughs> okay, moving on. Sorry. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, for these next few, I tried to do just something that was kind of genre and what I thought was the best of a genre that didn't quite make it to my top ten. So, for horror, I've gone with Hereditary. The scariest and most disturbing movie I have ever seen. I will never forget how I felt. This thing made me take breaks from watching it. It's one of the few, rare few times that I've ever had to give myself like a pause from watching a movie. Just from how uncomfortable I was. It's an unholy performance by uh, the lead actress, Toni Collette. And I believe that the director, Ari Aster's name, will become synonymous with horror itself. Should he continue to make movies like this? I think it's a total masterpiece, and it's funny because I know you're reeling right now, and I know you don't like it. I I don't I don't like that movie. All right, well, that's fair. <laughs> we're not gonna I get don't into like that. that movie. We're not gonna we're not gonna get into why you're wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up on the honorable mentions, Into the Spider Verse. It is yeah. the best. It is the best animated film of the decade. It is groundbreaking in its visual style. The whole thing is built like a comic book. They animate separate elements in completely different ways. They give different characters their own style of animation, and it all flows seamlessly. It's absolutely brilliant. And as someone personally who's pretty tired of origin stories, this one felt good. Yep. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Thank you, Spider-Verse. Can't wait for the next one. Next up is uh, the science fiction genre, uh, Blade Runner 2049. I think it's one of the best sequels of all time, possibly the best uh, looking movie of the decade. Uh, I know Roger Deakins was behind the cinematography for it. Uh, the best word I can use for it is it's hypnotic. You are kind of put in a trance while you're watching this movie. Love it. I'm just going to leave it at that because I know you haven't seen it. So I don't want to go too on. Too Thank long you. On that one. Thank you. Next up, Baby Driver. Best editing of the decade. Yeah. Followed closely by Dunkirk. I know Dunkirk won the Oscar for editing, but I know you and I both thought that it, 
deserve to go to baby driver. Well, the it's more, tough. It's the, tough. The more, and I'm gonna get. I'm actually gonna get into this. Good. Funny, funny enough that we're we're bringing it up now. Good. Um, the more that I've thought about it, I uh, I think Dunkirk. Okay. Yeah, I, I think Dunkirk was above it. Yeah. I still think I still think Baby Driver, but that's all I'm gonna say about that. Watch Baby Driver. Holy shit, get your blood pumping. I remember you and I walked out of the theater at like what, like one in the morning when we went yeah, to see it. Yeah. It was one in the morning. I was sweating. And we were both Full like, <laughs> do, do they have another Showtime right now? Like, cause yeah, I, I want to go yeah, see it again. Yeah. That was that was that was fun. That's a great movie. If you if you can get like a home theater system. That's the best possible way to watch Baby Driver because I didn't come back to theaters. But like, <laughs> damn, get some speakers. Yo. Yeah. That's a yo movie. Okay. So to end out my honorable mentions is uh, I thought it was fitting with something else that should have just stopped. Uh, Toy Story 3. Oh. Give a give a shout out to Toy Story 3. All right. Because, all man, right. what a finale to that perfect little trilogy. And that oh, was yeah. all. That trilogy. We're, gonna, we're just going to leave it as a trilogy. Trilogy. Yep. And then because it just should have stopped there. Trilogy. So thank you, Toy Story 3. You made me cry. And... uh yeah, so Toy Story 3. Oh. So that ends my honorable mentions. That's it. Sweet. That was a great list, my friend. Thank you. Well done. Thank well you. done. We do have some duplicates. I will say. so. No doubt. I, I, I anticipate that some of my, my honorable mentions are going to be on your top 10 and vice yes. versa. Yes, so. that is correct. So you did yours like a top honorable mentions, I'm assuming, right? Oh, that wasn't ranked. Oh, no. it wasn't? Okay, no, cool. No, no. Neither is mine. If it was ranked, Christopher Nolan would have been the last one. I just <laughs> wanted to do Toy Story 3 last. That was my only planning. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, because mine isn't ranked either. It, I actually did the same as I did for Rapid Fire. It's in order of release. Oh, that's smart. I didn't think yeah. about that. Go on. So my first one is also Inception. Hey. Yeah, you you brought up Nolan, and so I right. I singled it out with Inception. So okay. you already spoke a little bit about it. It's just it's groundbreaking. Yeah, it's incredible. It's it's mind blowing. And I I remember when I uh, this was roughly around the time when I was I was getting into filmmaking and I was really starting to be interested in it. And I remember watching it thinking, I want to make a movie like that someday. Yeah. And so to me, that that's a film that really stood out. And I, I just love it. It's fantastic. All right. Next up, you're going to be happy that it's on a list. You're not going to be happy that it's on not that it's not on my top 10. Go on. The Raid. Oh, <laughs> okay the on. raid is on my honorable mentions that is truly one of the best action films of all time it's flawless when rama does anything in that movie yo the hands exactly <laughs> the hand spins oh yo. my god yeah, no, I, I, hey I'll be, I'll be talking about that later you already know i know you oh, know. i know yeah all right so that's the raid great picks great picks next is les miserables interesting mm -hmm. okay wow I think as uh, it's mainly because I'm a musical theater person. You're also a Hugh Jackman person. I'm also I was just about, I was literally <laughs> about to say I'm a huge Hugh Jackman fan. To be fair, me too. And I think that's probably one of if not his best performance. Hmm. It's okay. so fucking good. I, everyone does a great job in that film, and the whole film itself is phenomenal. But it really Hugh Jackman shines in that. Yeah, I, I respect that. All right, cool. Next, we're gonna take another look over here at our buddy Tyler. Oh, is it time? Don't say it. It's time. Don't say it. No. 2014's Interstellar. No, boo. <laughs> boo. Do you want to just say your piece? I don't, oh, sorry. What? I was gonna say. Do you want to tell a quick recap of what happened when you guys went I to mean, go see uh, it? Okay, so like, yeah, we went to go see uh, Interstellar. We watched. We actually did back to backs. So we did Fury first, yep, and then um, better movie. Better. We saw Fury first back in. This is all the way back in 2014, like December. We saw Fury first, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, that was awesome, whatever. But we all expected, you know, that to be just be the appetizer for Interstellar because we knew, oh, it's our boy Nolan, whatever. So it was me, Tyler, and our other buddy, Will. We all went to go see Interstellar in IMAX, and, like, 
we were all quiet, obviously, throughout the whole movie. But when we were walking out, me and Will were pretty much on the same page of, holy shit, that blew our mind. The visuals, the score, the performances, just kind of all of it. And Tyler walks out saying, oh, that was a boring, horrendous piece of shit. <laughs> and me and Will just kind of like looked at each other like, what like like did we did we exciting never intelligent did all three of us watch the same movie (laughs) no but like to this day this is the hottest take you've ever had and it's my favorite take of yours because i just i just cannot find the grounds on which you stand it's just none of it excited me in any way or form i didn't think like i didn't think it was shocking there are visually i didn't think it was shockingly written oh my god like I there are there are some cringy ass lines. I will give I you that. It was very very blase. There there are some dumbass lines. The biggest twist in the movie that everyone, from what I saw from the Fallout, <laughs> I thought it was very very obvious it was fucking coming. All right. <laughs> I didn't see a lot of that movie as exciting whatsoever. All right. All right. Let's just <laughs> continue. So, so yeah, moving on. So yeah, on. Interstellar's on my honorable mentions. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> say say whatever you'd like to say about Interstellar. Go on, please. I, I'm good. Oh, that's it. <laughs> I don't. You know what? Fair. I don't think I don't think we need to justify our take <laughs> of thinking Interstellar is fantastic. Fair enough. All right. All right. So, so moving on, I am joining you, and I am listing John Wick's one through three hey. as my next honorable mention. You've already spoken enough about it. You know the American response to the raid. It's awesome. Yep. I mean, John Wick three. That's the only one that I've seen in theaters. Yo. And that was one of the best. Yeah, you're gonna see one. Yeah, that was probably one of the best movie going experiences I've had. Yeah. That was. Oh my god, dude. More on the way. More on the way. More on the way. My next one, The Big Short. Great pick. You you great remember The pick. Big Short, I should have right? put that in honorable. It's a great pick. Yeah. yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I love The Big Short. I think a lot of that has to do with one the way that like the the way that the story is told. Mm. I think it's just it's such a phenomenal style. Mm-hmm. But then also the editing. Um I've met the editor. His name is Hank Corwin. And he is just such a unique guy and his style is so different yeah. and it's so smooth, but also it it has incredible pacing. And so I just, I love the movie. I think it's fantastic. Mm. Um, yeah. Next one. You are definitely going to see this one coming. Sicario. I knew it. Yep. I, I have expected it to make the 10, but all right, go on. It, it almost did. Yeah. I love Sicario. I mean, just brutal brutal storytelling it's a great movie (laughs) it's 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 so good dude it's so good ah i just i love the highway scene bro for me it's the tunnel scene all right so moving on i got two more both of which were on your list baby driver yep 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 yep. not more needs to be said because you already talked about it nope i love that movie watch baby driver my last one spider-man into the spider-verse perfection 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 that's all that it is it's it's brilliant storytelling so unique the the best part and i remember sitting in the theater watching it and even upon first viewing i was mind blown was when he first became spider-man yeah i saw that editor on a panel talk about that scene it started as a linear chronological scene where he went to aunt may's house like did the the whole exchange with her and then he did the building thing it was not working and then he made it what it is. Thank you for creative decisions. It's brilliant. So yeah, on of it yeah, makes my yeah, it, it makes my honorable mentions. It would make my top ten if these top ten were not what. So they hard were. to make as it was. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. It's, this is extremely difficult. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so okay. we have completed we rapid fire and honorable mentions. This Shall we get now. into our top ten? It is list time, and we're going A to M. So starting with A, me. 
my number 10 is Inception. So make no mistake, I believe that this is the best Nolan film. And I say that because I think The Dark Knight isn't the most Nolan Nolan movie. Okay. If that makes any sense. It, it makes total sense. Let me, let me, let me try to elaborate. Makes sense. Yeah. When I think of Nolan, I think of stories within stories, big practical effects, crazy camera tricks, mind-twisting ideas and structure of the narrative, big-time actors absolutely disappearing into their characters, Hans Zimmer on the score, and don't get me wrong, The Dark Knight has all of that, but at the end of the day, it is a Batman movie and not just a Nolan movie. Inception is Nolan purified Yep. in the, in the most pure, complete potency, I yeah. guess, right? Yeah. So the premise is essentially a heist movie, but of information within the target's subconscious. It's also the inverse of a heist because the thieves are commissioned to implant information rather than steal it. I'm not going to lie. The first time watching it was very hard to follow. I was on like, I didn't watch this in the theaters. I watched it much longer after it came out with my mom and Emily and, um, sorry, my sister. Both of them couldn't stand it because they were just like, yo, I hate this. What the hell's going on? And I myself was like, no, 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 this is good. I don't know what's happening either, but I promise you it's good because I could see like how it was put together. Right. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, this is amazing. I don't know what's happening. You know, and that's just a side effect because a lot of information is being presented by a lot of characters in a lot of words. And honestly, that uh, makes the Ellen Page's character all the more important because she's learning about it at the same time the audience is. So that's a very good way to do that and go about getting information conveyed. And once you get a second viewing under your belt, it's actually a lot easier to follow. And then you can see how it's actually presented very, very well. And I rewatched it earlier this year with a friend who had never seen it. And that's what managed it to land it in my top 10 of the decade. Um, is it complicated? Absolutely. But that's so Nolan just building a setting and a world and then running circles around your brain. And I'm in I'm in love with it. And the best part for me is an ending that's entirely open to viewer, viewer interpretation. It's not often you get something like this ending, and especially when it's pulled off as well as it was. So Inception is my number 10. Holy shit, Aaron. Like, I have notes for each one of these films, but I have nothing like, like that. So... I really like Inception <laughs> and these other movies. See, I wish, Inception I wish, I'd... I wish you would have just said that. I like Inception because that's what mine. That's what my my descriptions for my films are gonna be like. I I, I don't know. I I plan I planned it. Okay. Well, my number ten comes from 2013, and it is Snowpiercer. Oh yeah. Directed by Bong Joon Ho. Yeah, boy. The IMDb description of Snowpiercer reads. In a future where a failed climate change experiment has killed all life except for the lucky few who boarded the Snowpiercer, a train that travels around the globe, a new class system emerges. I love this film, and you know how much I love this film because of a how lot. much I talk about it. It's on your top ten. It's it, <laughs> true. Hey, I guess I guess that shows that I like this film. Yeah, yeah. But no, this is just a brilliantly structured story that describes and shows class struggle. And it's told in such an incredible and unique way, but also in such a brutal way and also a brutally honest way. And that's what I love about his filmmaking is, is everything is just so laid out in front of you. Like there's no, there's no need to hide things or make it or make it non-evident. It's right there. It's right there in front of you. This is how it is. And I think it's just brilliantly told. Like this movie's fucking insane. Yeah. Like it doesn't care. It has no censor. It goes off. Man. Yeah. 
It is. It's so good. And also Chris Evans. That man's a hell of an actor. Beast. Hell of an actor. That man is a beast. Yeah. And his character. His character is so complicated, but it's weird because it's a hidden complication. Yeah. Like you think he, he is he is just this this perfect man. But no, as any protagonist, as any good protagonist good protagonist, yeah. must have. Absolutely. He has his flaws and he has his conflicts and the reveal of those flaws and conflicts. It's it's incredible. Yeah. All of the characters are brilliant, especially yeah. like Tilda Swinton's character. Yeah. I love her. So fucking love, weird, but just her. so good. Yeah. And my, just the entire movie. The, my boy with the tattoos. Yeah. Oh, that's dude. My, that's my dude. The that's entire dude. movie itself is just it's phenomenal. And so, yeah, it's my number 10. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good pick. Great pick. Thank you very much. OK. Number nine. Oh, you're going to you're going to love this. Number nine is Whiplash. Yes. Oh, my. Yes. Oh, my God. This movie. It was my introduction to the boy, Damien Chazelle, who has quickly shot up the ranks into my top 10 directors ever. And the man is 34 years old. And that's beyond inspirational. Because oh, yeah. Holy shit. Oh, Where yeah. to begin? Where to begin? I guess I'll just start with what the movie's about. Premise is a young musician played by Miles Teller. He works to land a part in a very prestigious uh, concert group fueled by his aspirations to become a world-class drummer. The obstacle, other than how ridiculously difficult playing the music literally is, is the group's conductor, played by J.K. Simmons. And it's one of the best performances of the decade of all time, bar none. An utterly terrifying antagonist who will scare you. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no way he doesn't. The movie depicts the relationship between the two and how it affects the main character in every other aspect of his life as he dedicates more and more of it to mastering his craft, it's a harrowing tale of just how hard you have to work and endure to be the best at something. It is the biggest deconstruction of I'm going to be the very best that no one ever was. A lot of thematic similarities to Black Swan, but I prefer this one just because it, I think it goes even harder than Black Swan. And you got, like I said, you have Chazelle at the helm, you have Horwitz on the score, and you have Cross in the editing room. It's the dream team. It's the dream result. Watch this movie. Them boys. Dude. Whiplash is my number nine. That is... A fantastic number nine, my friend. Bro. <laughs> Bro. Bro, that movie hurts. All right. So moving on to my number nine. My number nine is actually one that I watched this week. Oh, boy. In an effort to catch up with some of the films that we missed this decade, I watched a few, and one of them made the list. It is 2014's The Wolf of Wall Street. Hey. God. Yeah, boy, Scorsese. Damn, man. I have missed out on that movie for five years, and I hate that fact. I, I like I, It's always been on my list of things that I need to watch, but now that I've finally seen it, that's probably one of, one of the biggest ones where it's like, that was well worth it. That was incredible. The plot description on IMDb reads, Based on the true story of Jordan Belfort, from his rise to a wealthy stockbroker, living the high life, to his fall involving crime, corruption, and the federal government. I think this film is overall brilliant yeah the storytelling is incredible the story itself is is yeah, it's nuts it's 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 mind-blowing that this is a true story or at least a story <laughs> based on it. true events yeah. you know yeah and man i think all that needs to be said leonardo dicaprio yeah it's it's his best role it's funny because before having seen this like i was like oh revenant like totally deserved it for this oh no he totally deserved it he, for the wolf's yeah. wall he fucking street sells it he so should have won that is that is by far his best performance yeah it was I would, I would say flawless so. yeah. flawless and he, he he had me convinced i mean as he does with every role he had me convinced that he was jordan belford yeah he's fantastic martin scorsese is obviously 
one of the true greats of filmmaking, and you can see his style is so evident in this film. I mean, I don't really think there's much to be said about it. Everyone knows that this film is fantastic, so definitely watch it. Your boy John Barenthal's in it. John, oh, yeah. when he popped out, man. I was like, "There's, <laughs> big, there's big my boy. boy!" I didn't know he was in it. Yeah, no. I did not know. He I knew was that. In I, it. I was glad because I, I, I had known that you hadn't seen it, so yeah. I was like, "Oh, well, John Barenthal's like my favorite character in the movie." Yeah. So yeah. I, I had not known he was in it. <laughs> it's awesome. But yeah, he's the one that sells on the pen. John Barthel is John yeah, yeah, yeah. one that gets it. Yeah. So yeah, that is uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Brilliant. At my number nine. Brilliant. All right, number eight. So Jake Gyllenhaal had a big year, right? Lots of talk about how underrated an actor he is. Well, I've been on the Jake Gyllenhaal's underrated train since 2015 when I watched Nightcrawler. I knew it. Nightcrawler on Netflix one evening. It's directed and written by Dan Gilroy in his uh, directorial debut. Nightcrawler is a movie that makes me uncomfortable, just like Hereditary, but actually a little bit more uncomfortable. I don't want to spoil anything and really get into the plot, but... I hesitate to call Jake's character a protagonist because I can't think of one redeeming quality about him. And the Los Angeles setting doesn't make you feel any better. It isn't the nicer parts of LA. It's grimy and sick and ugh. But it makes for a phenomenal movie driven by the lead performance. Hell of a character. Uh, the premise is a freelance videographer selling his footage to an LA news station because he records crime scenes and gets the angles that gets the ratings. It's real twisted shit. And like I said, I don't want to say much more because the way things play out, I think you have to see them for yourself. It's a breakdown of unethical journalism and capitalism's effect on it. It's super fucked up. I know both of us are kind of privy to movies that like, oh, like when they go dark, like, like oh, well, that went dark, right? Mm -hmm. You want a dark movie, throw this one on. I, oh. I fucking dare you. I like that. I dare you. That's a, I, I like that finish. Dude. That's nice. This movie is twisted. That is a great number eight, Aaron. And so moving on to my number eight, we're going to go animated with this one, Aaron. The, I believe this was in your honorable mentions. Yes, it was. It was in your honorable mentions. But for me, this is in my top 10. Go on. It is 2010's Toy Story 3. All right, brilliant. Mm-hmm. I don't really think I need to say too much about this film because if you haven't seen Toy Story 3 at this point, like, you need to. It's been a decade. Yeah, really. Like, literally, get on it. Literally. It's the perfect finale to any trilogy what I want to say about it is the reason why I love it probably more than other animated films. Like you said, Spider-Verse was the best uh, animated film of the of the decade. Yeah. The reason why I love this film more is because of the emotional connection that I have to it. Totally. Obviously, growing up, Toy Story was huge to me. Yeah. The biggest emotional pull for me is the relationship with my mom that I have in regards to Toy Story. Growing up, that was the biggest thing and my favorite thing between she and I. And so I remember when Toy Story 3 was announced, we were really excited. There, were, there are certain movies that I watch with certain family members of mine, and the Toy Story films are the ones that I watch with my mom. Nice. And I remember going to the theater with her, and it was just me and her and a bunch of little kids and their parents. <laughs> They're here with their parents. I'm here with my mom, and I'm fucking proud, man. And I remember sitting there watching it and we were both crying. Oh, yeah. We both cried. Yep. And that will forever be one of my favorite movie going experiences. And that's by far why it's in my top 10. I remember mine vis vividly, too. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Say no more, bro. So Toy Story 3. Love you, pal. That one was for you. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Number seven for me. Mad Max Fury Road. So this may be the greatest action film ever. 
And I, I feel like not enough people still talk about it. George Miller, 70 years old when he made this. Like, holy shit, are you fucking kidding me? This movie is a bonafide adrenaline rush. With just enough equally excellent quiet moments to keep it from being, like, completely nauseating. <laughs> <laughs> but the action is what absolutely catapults it into the, the seventh spot on my list. The camera work is remarkable. The visuals are breathtaking. The practical effects are mind-boggling. They built those fucking vehicles. It's unbelievable how much of that and was practical. And they blew them up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they blew them up super hard. It's it's They're like, yo, stuntman, jump off of this moving tank. The story's great, too. The acting's superb. Your boy Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Charlize Theron. The choreography of everything is god-tier. This is a god-tier movie. It's plain and simple. It was in development hell since 1997, when we were born. This movie has no right to exist. It shouldn't exist, and we're lucky that it does. Fury Road. Man. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm realizing now that I haven't included that in any of my lists, but that would definitely make it. Fury Road. In my, in my lists, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that brings us to my number seven, which was actually my original favorite movie of all time. It is a 2011 film named Hugo. Oh. It is directed by Martin Scorsese, and it is extremely critically acclaimed. It was nominated for 11 Oscars, of which it won five. But with audiences, it's probably one of the most underrated. So the IMDb plot description reads, In 1931 Paris, an orphan living in the walls of a train station gets wrapped up in a mystery involving his late father and an automaton. This is an, actually an adaptation of a book. Hugo Cabret, right? Uh, yes. Um, I believe it's The Invention of Hugo Cabret. I right. forget the author's name, but it's an adaptation of a book. So the thing about this film is not only is the story incredible, the cinematography is beautiful. It's a pretty it's movie. It's beautiful. Um, it actually stars uh, a couple of phenomenal actors. It starred a young Asa Butterfield. Chloe Grace Moretz was also in it. Yep. And... Pretty much other than Asa Butterfield, the main star was Ben Kingsley. Yeah. It's revealed that his character's name is George Méliès. George Méliès was one of the literal first filmmakers in history. Hmm. His films were from the 1890s to the 1900s to 1910s. Yeah. He was one of the actual grandfathers of filmmaking. His films are iconic, especially... The 1902 film, over a hundred years old, A Trip to the Moon. Yep. He's he's actually a special effects like Godfather. He's a pioneer, which yeah. For a back pioneer. way back when, it's incredible the stuff that he was able to do. The thing is, Hugo is essentially one massive tribute to this filmmaker. And it's incredible. In one of the last scenes of the film, George Melies is giving a speech, and he just very calmly raises his arms, and to the audience he says Come and dream with me. And it's quite beautiful the next moment. I, I don't want to say it because it's visually stunning, but it leads into the tribute to George Melies. The thing is, is it's those few words, come and dream with me. I watched this when I first really started getting into film. And as a young person who is wanting to get into this industry, it was honestly quite beautiful. And it was inspiring because I see this, like it, it's a depiction, but I see this legendary filmmaker just say come and dream with me getting into the film industry is my dream so seeing that it was beautiful 
and it was one of my original favorite films of all time, but now it is my number seven on my top 10 list of the decade. Heartwarming. I love it. Yeah, that kind of came out right around, you know, 2011. First started to get to know you and what were thirteen at the time or something, something like that. Like that. Like, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. That's Damn. Yeah, man. Influential. The influence. This decade's been a long fucking decade. You know what's funny? Decade. You know what's funny is I've seen that movie and I don't remember a lot about it particularly, but I do remember that tribute at the end. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, it's yeah. gorgeous. it's just a perfect yeah. montage and compilation and tribute to this, like I said, grandfather of filmmaking. Right on. Okay. My number six. So if Fury Road is the king of large-scale action films, then we have to give an equivalent crown to action films of smaller scope. I ask you, Marco, Tyler, how does a single, several-story building work for scope? The raid is the reason we have John Wick. The raid is the reason action doesn't suck anymore, because it gave Americans and Hollywood an ideal to strive towards. This movie, and its sequel, that's right, it's The Raid and The Raid 2 at number 6. I'm going to include the sequel because fucking... I like the sequel more than the first one. Hot I knew, take. I knew you would do that. Both of these movies should serve as a template to all future aspiring action filmmakers because god damn it, it is perfect. It was a direct influence on John Wick. It was directly influential on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it influenced Star Wars too. J.J. Abrams brought in the actors of the raid they're in the force awakens and he criminally underused them these are a pair of indonesian films directed by a welshman gareth evans and in terms of premise the first movie is that a swat team conducts a raid on a building run by a drug lord story doesn't really matter it's still a good story but it doesn't matter the centerpiece is the fighting there's no bullshit there's no cutting back and forth it's just crisp clean and clear martial arts full credit to Iko uweis and the stunt team just a masterclass performance all around in terms of choreography. And then the second movie, The Raid 2, it takes the first movie and does exactly what a sequel should do and builds a world around it. And I absolutely love it. And the story in the second movie has a lot more going on and several actually really good acting performances. Like, I really love the actor that plays the main villain. It does what every sequel should do. It's even what John Wick 2 does is build the world around this really simple thing. And I wish we could get a third one. But at the end of the day, it's all about the fighting. Each character has their own fighting style, and it's awesome to see the moves fleshed out. Like, I could see this series as a video game. It could be a fighting game. You just pick a character. They all have, they all have their own movesets. It's sick. It's some dumb anime nonsense going on in this universe, but I eat it up every time. It's so cool. <laughs> and Rama is one of my... Like, Ikuguais is the modern day... He's not the same famous, but he's the, same, he's the modern day Jackie Chan right now. Yeah. He's the only young martial artist action star that i can think of that has even a close to a claim on the title right yeah definitely so, yeah i think next jackie chan should just be enough for, to get people to watch these i know like there's a language barrier but who cares me, who cares yeah, watch who cares? watch it it's it's a gorgeous movie movies sorry it's raid and raid 2 brilliant my number six is uh, a little bit different not necessarily because it is kind of an action film okay but it's more of a drama okay it is Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. Hey, hey. As long as it's not interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. The IMDb plot description reads, Allied soldiers from Belgium, the British Empire, and France are surrounded by the German army and evacuated during a fierce battle in World War II. What that description does not tell you is that the film actually has three stories. 
It tells the story of the men on the beach. It tells the story of a small group of people on boats going to rescue those people on the beach. And it also tells the story of Tom Hardy as a pilot trying to protect those on the beach. The amazing thing about that is all three of those stories have different time spans. One is over a week, one is over a day, and one is over an hour. And the way that this is all edited together, remember we were talking earlier and you you said, you know, we agreed that, that Baby Driver was the better one? Yeah. The more that I thought about Dunkirk and the more that I realized this has, like I said, three stories that take <laughs> place over three different time frames, it's mind-blowing how fucking seamless and how beautiful it is. And so I asked myself, how do you accomplish something like that? And there are two answers. One, be written by Christopher Nolan. Absolutely. And two... Be edited by Lee Smith. Yeah. Lee Smith has been Christopher Nolan's editor for the majority of his films, and his style and his pacing is perfect. Yeah. And that's exactly how it is in Dunkirk. And another thing about it, do you remember when we walked out of the theater? It was <laughs> yes, it I was do. pitch black yes, outside. We were walking out, Big we were in the middle us. of the parking lot, yeah. a plane flew above us. <laughs> And we all legitimately ducked. And stop. Yeah, like, oh, fuck. We ducked. That's how insane that movie was. The sound design. The sound design in that movie is brilliant. It gives you chills, and it's just phenomenal. And yeah. also, something I want to mention, yeah. your boy Harry Styles. Your boy Harry Styles is in that movie, correct. Damn, that dude can act, man. Yeah. You know what's crazy, too, is I'd still, I've only watched the movie one time, sadly enough, but I remember watching it and thinking, I can't tell which guy is Harry, is Styles, Harry Styles, but that's, like, <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, Dunkirk is incredibly made, production design, flawless, timeline, incredibly brought together, and that's why it's my number it's six. The, it's the, the most complex interweaving of timelines I've seen. Nolan tops himself. He tops Memento. Exactly. In, in my in my exactly. mind, Dunkirk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had it as an honorable mention. I knew it was going to be on your list. So mm -hmm. I'm like, damn. Yeah. Dunkirk's Especially as an editor. Dunkirk. I got to include yeah. that. Yeah. I think it was Mark that pointed out like the there's a Hans Zimmer has like the clock ticking the entire yes. time in the background. Yeah. The entire time. The entire time until <laughs> the entire time until they Tom Hardy turns off his engine. Isn't until they come together. They all come together. Uh, or? It's, it's it, there are two moments. It's it's uh, I forget what the first one is, but it's also when Tom Hardy turns off the engine. Brilliant. Yeah. And it's so perfect because it's just this moment of peace. Yeah. Where he's just gliding. Yeah. Because he's totally out of gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And ending. so finally, yeah. after all this chaos, he just glides and it's silent. Oh, Dunkirk's shit. <laughs> Dunkirk, man. So my number five is two movies. Two movies that uh, a lot of people would argue aren't even cinema. I would argue differently. Aaron, before you continue, if they're not considered cinema, does that mean that they are part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? <sighs> they are part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Then, Aaron, I think uh, we can join forces. Uh, they're your number five, too? Because... It is also my number five. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well okay. you want to say what they are? We were talking about Marvel's Infinity War and Endgame. These two, I mean, I, at least I had it planned not to say that much because we've talked about it a lot about the MCU in the past and honestly what more needs to be said. But um, this is something that never should have been possible. And to pull it off as well as the Russo brothers did is beyond words for me. At least <laughs> Scorsese thinks differently, <laughs> but um, it's a giant chessboard of characters that are all moving for the most part, exactly how they needed to. And I think that what I love the most about Infinity War and Endgame, besides Thanos, 
is how clearly they learn from the missteps of all the Marvel movies before them. I'm thinking more so the broad general strokes that people will use as ways to say that the Marvel movies aren't good. These two don't suffer from the bland, colorless filter of early Marvel movies. These two don't have action that's hard to follow. These two don't try to entertain a meaningless and superficial villain. These movies don't have music you are going to forget. That's like the big four, right? That like early Marvel and even mid Marvel is like, oh, they can't do anything. Their third acts are terrible. Well, this is the third act of the entire thing. And it's the best part by far. Thanos himself is a technical triumph. Like this big 10 foot purple guy you expect me to believe is real? Well, I did. And that's partially because of their special effects team. That's partially because Josh Brolin is brilliant. Mm -hmm. No, there there are some videos out there that show yeah. the incredible achievement that yeah. is Thanos. Because if you zoom in on his face, yep. you can see every individual pore. You can see the wrinkles as he makes different facial expressions, which for a long time was not possible yeah. in, in any sort of visual effects standpoint. And now they have created something that looks so lifelike that a giant purple alien looks real. Yeah. It's, it's He's phenomenal. A, Thanos is a feat. And also, in terms of cultural recognition, he's going to be in the same league of villains as Darth Vader. Kids are going to remember Thanos. Mm -hmm. And both of these movies, there's something that shouldn't exist, and yet they do. Can it be replicated? Probably not. Are they able to stand on their own as movies? No. But it would feel irresponsible to me, as I'm sure it would feel irresponsible to you, to not recognize the achievement that they are, even if it is all a cash grab. <laughs> Everything is a cash grab at the end, so it might as well be worth the money. And Infinity War and Endgame, 100%. Well, it's funny that you mentioned culture, because another very important thing that needs to be brought up about these two films is that they have impacted our culture and our society in such a way that has not really been achieved in a very long time. Not since early cinema. Star Wars. Yeah. Since the, exactly, since the original Star Wars. Original. Growing up, you know what's funny is I had always wished that I had been able to experience what it was like to grow up in the original Star Wars era. Yeah. I think we got something better. Uh, we got some, yeah. I And, and I feel just bigger. so... Bigger. Something bigger Way and in my, in my opinion, better. Way more fleshed out. Not, not in terms of like movie quality because the original trilogy is perfect yeah but 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 <laughs> yeah. in terms of in terms of scale and in terms of just like letting the story develop and yeah stuff. exactly yeah. and these two films just finish things off so beautifully yeah. in in the infinity saga because you get infinity war and it tears you down man like i remember sitting in that theater like near tears because i was like everyone's dead yeah everyone's gone and then you get endgame <laughs> you said it perfectly it shouldn't have been possible, but they did it. Yeah. When the portals start opening in Endgame. Spoilers. <laughs> I don't. If you it's haven't big, seen Endgame, if you don't know. Yeah. If you haven't seen Endgame, literally stop this podcast now. I don't care. Go watch it right now. Yeah. When the portals opened, I remember just feeling pure speechlessness. I spent the next thirty-five minutes just crying, but yeah. with a smile on my face. Every t I kid you not, dude. Every time I watch that portal scene again, I still cry. Yeah, no, it's powerful. The the amount of impact that it has had on us, like I said, as a society and as a culture, it's massive. And so, like you said, we got the best of it too. Yeah, growing like, up, yeah, just the right age. Exactly. We just happen yeah. to be at the right age. Exactly. Yeah, totally. When when all of this really hits us the most, yeah. and so I think it's 
it's not only brilliant quality wise, but in terms of just bringing us all together, it really has a huge impact. And I'm very grateful that we grew up in this era. Yeah. All right. Number four for, for me, I'm upset because I can't talk about this movie in the capacity that I want to. It's Creed. I knew it. Yeah. I knew. I, I know you haven't seen Creed. Yep. Tyler, have you seen Creed? No, I have not. I need to. Yeah, you need to. Ryan Coogler was 28 years old when this was released in 2015. 28 years old, and there is an entirely justified argument that he made a movie that equals or even surpasses Rocky. Fucking Rocky. The greatest underdog story of all time. Rocky. The greatest sports movie ever. Rocky. Michael B. Jordan. It's the role that made him a superstar. Tessa Thompson at her absolute best. Sylvester Stallone at his absolute best. This movie's a gem. It pairs the heart of a Rocky story with the technical advancements of modern filmmaking under the direction of Ryan Coogler. You get the best of both worlds. You have Ludwig Göransson, who takes the original iconic Bill Conti Rocky score and makes it his own. The interweavings of the musical layers is enough to make you cry especially if you're as nostalgic for Rocky as I am. Marco, I know you know this, but I can't get through Rocky and I can't get through this movie without a box of tissues nearby. I can't do it. it it's not possible. The premise is that Apollo Creed's bastard son, he looks to prove himself worthy of his namesake. And that's all I can say. Usually it's correct to worry about spinoffs tarnishing the goodwill of what came before, but it is not the case here. It couldn't be further from the truth. Marco, there is a scene towards the end of this movie that made me feel something I had never felt to such a high extent in a movie theater before. And I will always remember that theater experience. The ending of Creed. And if you've seen Creed, you know what I'm talking about in the ring. Oh man, there's a moment. Like it's an 11 out of 10. Like Jesus. Creed is fantastic. Watch Creed. Number four for me is the only one on this list from this year. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, go on. Do it to him. My number four is Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. Yep. It is by far the best film of 2019. Like, it's not I know, even close. We, we said that this was a list of our favorites. This is my, my number four favorite of the decade. But it is, in my opinion, the best film of 2019. Yeah. It is flawless. So in case you don't know what Parasite is about, the IMDb plot description reads, All unemployed, a family takes peculiar interest in the wealthy and glamorous parks as they integrate themselves into their lives and get entangled in an unexpected incident. This film is brilliant. So it actually is another example of Bong Joon-ho telling a story about class struggle. Yep. And this one is told in an even more incredible and even more unique way than Snowpiercer. Yeah. The more that I think about this film and the more that I think of how it works for the story that it is, it's mind-blowing and it's pure genius. Yeah. The characters are all incredibly well thought out and the chemistry between the actors is is phenomenal. I, you would be convinced that they are a family. It's all just amazing and what i love about this film is that there's one big debate about it that i've seen kind of circulating online and, and also in discussions that i've had with people about the film and it's it's a question 
why is the film called Parasite? Rhetorical question. It's a rhetorical question, but it actually leads to a better rhetorical question. Who is the actual Parasite? <laughs> would it be the lower class or would it be the upper class? Yeah. There's no clear answer within the film itself. Nope. That's up to you to decide. And yeah. that's what I fucking love about yeah. this film is that it makes a statement without actually having a clear stance, you know, like it just it just presents for the, the world. most part. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. you, you yeah. know, for the most part, you know, you know, because it's like the actions of characters are so questionable. Exactly. On the both grid. ends. Yeah. On both ends. Yeah. It's so questionable. Yeah. It presents the world as it is and it lets you decide. Yeah. And it's fucking brilliant it's just it's so good i love where it all went i remember we were sitting there and like an like an hour in i was like where where's this movie going and when it went where it, it went, went places oh my god it's brilliant 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 and that's why it's my number four um so parasite's my number three. Oh, so parasite's yeah. my number three this movie has layers you know what's insane is it has layers and i feel like i would be very curious as to actual people living in south korea's opinions on the movie i haven't done much reading or looking up since watching it but i think that that would add another entire layer that i'm not privy to at all interesting you know what i mean no i do know what you mean even just from what i did what i could gather this movie is so layered it's not even funny i want to hold off kind of talking about it too much because you said your piece and i agree with everything you just said and obviously it's going to be on our list for the best of 2019 Mm -hmm. but just to be concise i think this movie is perfect i think it's 10 out of 10 it's so simple, but it stands out in its execution. And I think Bong Joon-ho should win every award under the fucking sun yep. for this. I agree. Same goes for the actors. Classism sucks. That's my number three. Nice and short. I don't need to say anything more than you already did. So we're good. Yeah, that's Parasite is my number three. I mean, just the way that everything is so connected. The the tiniest things that you would not expect to be connected, <laughs> the me- the they metaphors, matter. The visual metaphors on hand. I remember I pointed one out to you that we'll get to we'll get to when we do the review. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. God damn for it. sure. All right, your number three. My number three is your number nine. Oh. It is Whiplash. Oh, okay. Not only is... I mean, you, you've you already spoken a lot about it, so I, I won't say too much, but not only is this film just brilliant, but it's also the film that inspired me to be an editor. And so it definitely has a very, very hard emotional hit on me. It genuinely was the film that has brought me on the path that I'm on now. And so that's why it's ranked so high on top of its already brilliant story yeah it's phenomenal and here's the way that that i've actually heard of jk simmons's character being described as or i should say being compared to brian cranston's walter white there are some similarities you see what i mean because in some moments the intensity it's the intensity it it, but then also it's the juxtaposition of his two personalities because it's like on one end when he's when he's alone or whatever like you know he could be he could be a nice guy you know like very supportive and very encouraging but then on the other (laughs) when you get him in his element you're fucked it's unbelievable and the the performance is incredible the editing is what makes this film yeah perfect pacing all around it's a subjective film so when andrew was in control of the situation and he's comfortable you know it's smooth that like it's not not super cutty but when he feels like he's out of it Oh man, it just goes. It moves. The pacing is brilliant. It's all just phenomenal. The cinematography is great. And this was the film that really put Chazelle on the map. And he's only grown since. And so, for many, many reasons, Whiplash is my number three. Dope. Love it. Okay. Top two Denis Villeneuve. Hell of a decade. Uh, Prisoners. 
Enemy, Sicario, Arrival, and Blade Runner 2049. Along with Chazelle, this man has very much earned his way into my top 10 directors ever. And my number two, Arrival. So far for me, that is his Mona Lisa. The premise is that extraterrestrial life arrives on Earth and a linguist, played by Amy Adams, is enlisted by the army to attempt communication with the alien life forms. It is one of the most invested movie-going experiences I've ever had. Myself and the friends that were with me, we were expecting a decent to a good movie because we just kind of heard good things. We were not expecting this. I remember we literally walked out and went, okay, holy shit, that wasn't a movie. That was a film. That was a, like capital letters. That was a film. Hmm. That, that was something special. It's a movie that made me feel something. <laughs> and it's special because I think it's so isolated in its, in its existence. There isn't anything else like it and there won't ever be a sequel. It, it just kind of stands alone. Even among Villeneuve's resume, like I said, to me, that makes it all the more special. It's grown up, mature science fiction, science fiction that actually has something to say. Like the way I want to describe it, and Tyler, you will appreciate this, Arrival is actually as smart as Interstellar thinks it is. Does that make sense at all? <laughs> that I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know if you've seen Arrival, Tyler, but no, I have. Okay. My big qualm with Interstellar is that it thinks it's way smarter it, than it exactly, is. Yeah. exactly. I want to say that Arrival is every bit as smart as Interstellar claims it is. Arrival is heady, but it's like, it's worth provoking thoughts. Okay. It's my favorite ever Amy Adams performance, which is, that's tough to even call it that, right? Because Amy Adams clinically mm -hmm. robbed the Oscars. Yeah. It's criminal she didn't win for this one, but she seems to be cursed. There's a piece of music used for this film, not originally from the film, but it was used in the film. Uh, Max Richter's On the Nature of Daylight. It is perhaps the most haunting, melancholic piece of music I've ever had the pleasure of hearing. It's gripping, emotional, powerful stuff, and it ties into the story rather nicely. This movie is the best encapsulation of feeling happy about your sadness. Strangest thing to say, right? But that's, that's what it's like. I thought that this movie was transcendent. Arrival is the best story told this decade. Wow. Yeah. That is high praise, my and friend. I, I can't say why, because it's kind of spoilers. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. like, there's there's a reason, and once you watch the movie, you will understand. Yeah, high praise, my friend. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I've actually got to keep you talking, because I know that my number two oh, okay. is your number one. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It so, is. I'm going to let you announce that one, my friend. So, Aaron Lovechick. My number one, as much as I love Arrival, there is a movie I have to put above it. Damien Chazelle, you madman. Tom Cross, you madman. Justin Hurwitz, you maestro. La La Land is my favorite movie of this decade. I have somewhat of a personal story for this one. I, I, I saw this movie at the end of a date, and I picked it not because I wanted to, but because I felt it was like the safest harmless pick at the time for a date movie. It seemed like a date movie, right? A romantic comedy. And I didn't know Chazelle because at the time I hadn't seen Whiplash. Much to my shock because, Jesus Christ, how do you fucking make a movie like Whiplash and then follow it up with La La Land? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't make no, it doesn't. any sense. No, it and does then not. First Man after, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's three for three. Anyways, you know how when you see a movie on a date, you tend not to pay attention? You just kind of talk more in the theater and react more because you're, you're doing it together, yeah. right? Well, I reacted. 
but it was just for me. (laughs) (laughs) I must have looked absolutely ridiculous in the theater that day because I could not believe what I was experiencing. I felt the happiest and the saddest I have ever been within two hours. Yep. So after the movie, we went to, we went back to my car and I asked if we could just sit for a minute because I, I wasn't ready to drive just yet. <laughs> and I have to thank her because she, she let me talk uninterrupted for the next 10 minutes, just <laughs> just gushing about how much I loved what we just saw yeah. and I, about how special I knew it was. I don't talk about it much, but I have a big soft spot for musicals, big soft spot for musicals. And a, a Disney childhood will do that to you. Mm-hmm. And a, a sister who's actively involved in musical theater will also do that to you. Yeah. La La Land is a love letter to the Hollywood musicals of old. The film is literally old Hollywood meets new Hollywood. And uh, that being said, the music in this movie is perfect. I know people complain about the singing. I don't give a fuck. I think that's a dumb, petty take. And the movie's And that's perfect. not what it's about. The movie's perfect the way it is. The quality of singing is not what it's about. I don't... I, it's I, about I the story and it's take. about the character. I hate that take. Anyways... Mandy Moore choreographed the dancing. She did? She did. Are so, you serious? Yep. If you don't like it, then you don't like Mandy Moore, so you're wrong. Oh my god, I did not know that. That's it's, crazy. Yep. What's more is it, it was shot on real film. The colors are everywhere. There's long takes. There's some one takes. I laughed. I, I was crushed. I'm emotionally scarred by a piano piece. Mm-hmm. La La Land to me is one of the most genuine roller coaster rides one can find. I forged an emotional attachment to it that I cannot articulate proper. I'm frustrated to not come up with perfectly fitting words. This movie is so hyper-competently crafted and executed that I'm left astonished by the end result. As every aspect comes together, there's no way I can't look at it as anything other than a magnum opus. I genuinely don't know how Chazelle is going to top himself, but he still has his whole career ahead of him. I'm just so excited by the potential of this man and his team. He's got demonstrable artistic merit in a world where the true Artur directors like Nolan are few and far between. I know we were talking about this the other day. I think that Chazelle is on that level. Nolan obviously being the more experienced and still my number one by bullet. But Chazelle, yo, he's coming. In short, La La Land gave me the most feels out of the decade. And that makes it my number one. To make an analogy, if the feels were boxed up as a Christmas present and the packaging was crafted by none other than the most elite North Pole elves being directed by Santa himself. <laughs> because my word, does it deliver? La La Land's my number one. That's perfect. I think that's the best way that it can be summed up. I'll add a couple things because I need to, because La La Land is very special to me as well. Mm. I remember when I first saw the trailer, and it was so simple. All you saw was the incredible, beautiful cinematography and you hear the piano music. Yeah. And that was all I needed to know that this movie was going to be special. It's a simple story about two people that fall in love while trying to maneuver their way through their careers in L.A. Yeah. In a glorified version of L.A., Mm -hmm. this film is the king of production design. Yeah. Perfection all around on that level in terms of the sets, the costumes. It was all spectacular. And like you said, Aaron... The music. Musical numbers, man. The like, music. Dude. It's gorgeous. Every single song has something to say, has something that it, it just makes you feel a certain way, and it's all brilliant. Yeah. Me and Sebastian's theme, never have I felt more heartbroken <laughs> from 
a single piece of music. It's gorgeous. Yeah. All of it. Everything about this film is incredible. And like you said, Chazelle's coming. He's oh, coming. no, he's coming. Yeah, I don't, I, like I said, I don't know how he tops himself, but man, he's going to die trying. Yeah, the man, the man's 34. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he's so young, Jesus. dude. That's OP. All right, here we go. Now, La La Land would be my number one if it wasn't for the fact that my favorite movie of all time is 2010's The Social Network. Directed by David Fincher, written by Aaron Sorkin, when you have that duo, you have a masterpiece on your hands. And to me, that's what The Social Network is. It is truly one of the greatest films of this decade, like not just from my perspective, but overall. The thing about this movie is when it was first announced, it was labeled as the Facebook movie. It was labeled as, oh, it's the movie that's just going to you know, talk about how Facebook was made. That was my thought. It's more than just that. It's more about... The destruction of a friendship. It's more about the destruction of a friendship and the creation of Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. To me, the movie is perfection because it, it's ahead of its time. The social network isn't, like I said, just about Facebook. It's about Mark Zuckerberg and what he created and in doing so, what he changed about the world. It shows how social environments change with time. Before the technology era, it was totally different. Then when technology was introduced, it was changed. And almost in a way, when Facebook was introduced, it was changed again. Mm -hmm. Not only does it show how the social environments change, but it shows how the people change with them. Mm. And Mark was the pioneer for that, both for the good and for the bad. Yeah, And that's the brilliance of this film is that the way his character is written and portrayed, it shows that. And it, it's almost like a foreshadowing to what he would become. Because yeah. like he's not just the inventor of Facebook. He is someone that has created a totally different culture, like I said, both for the bad and for the good. Yeah. It's amazing that this film, like I said, was almost ahead of its time in its portrayal yeah. of Mark. There's an excerpt from Variety magazine written by Owen Gleiberman that I really love. It reads, It's one of those perfect films that you can watch again and again and again. It hurdles, fascinates, scintillates, and resonates. Every moment is nimbly entertaining and essential. Tapping into the late of Facebook's creation, this David Fincher, Aaron Sorkin masterpiece touches the inner story of our time, how the new mode of connecting to others via the internet was invented by people like the visionary geek Mark Zuckerberg, played with the magnetic fast-break chill by Jesse Eisenberg, it was invented by people who had serious problems connecting in any other way. So they invented a brave new world by sinking it to the spirit of their own detachment. The social network is bracing and funny, tragic and exhilarating, told with the kind of effortless high-wire panache that makes you believe in the power of movies. It just goes to show how well Aaron Sorkin wrote this and how he created He's a madman. Like, yeah, these yeah. characters are based on real people and yet he made them different in the perfect sort of way. Here's the way, the way that it should just be described is actually described by someone at Esquire. His name is Chris Nashawadi. 
It's one sentence. It's a chilling portrait of a ruthless young egomaniac who somehow managed to connect the world and end up as the loneliest man in the world. Huh. That's pretty fucking brilliant. Uh, that's pretty that's pretty that's pretty good. And so <laughs> while that's connected to the story of the social network, it's the way that it is told and yeah. just the brilliance of Aaron Sorkin's writing, the elegance and just rich style of David Fincher. Yeah. It's just all so brilliant. And so the social network is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. It's beautiful the score is incredible i mean it's fucking yeah. phenomenal Trent all Reznor. around Trent Reznor from nine inch nails Trent Reznor, strangely yeah, yeah. enough that's insane yeah all around it's just phenomenal and that is why it is not only my favorite film of the decade but my favorite film of all time i purposely left it off my honorable mentions just because i knew it was your favorite but it belongs there it might as well be my number 11 to me the draw of the social network is obviously because it's such an intriguing concept to begin with. The average person would probably want to know how the most popular website kind of ever right now, I think, came to be. Mm -hmm. But what I think is the brilliance of the movie itself is you could watch the social network in isolation from the actual real world. And it is the most fascinating movie. Yeah. It's so, so well crafted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite Jesse Eisenberg, my favorite Andrew Garfield by far. Mine as well. That scene where he, where he confronts him? Fucking fuck you flip-flops? Dude. <laughs> oh. No, that movie's OP. That movie's ridiculous. Everyone in that film, I think those those are their Army best Hammer. performances. Oh, Army my, Hammer. Yeah. Fucking Justin Timberlake, dude. I'm 6'5", 220, and there's two of me. That's the best <laughs> line ever. That's such a Sorkin line, too. I'm 6'5", 220, there's two of me. God, I love it. It's I love so it. fucking good, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like, yeah, that's the thing is that I, I prefer to just kind of shut out the real world context of it because just isolated as a story itself. You're right. You don't have to worry yeah. about it. Like, this is its own characters. Like, No, like, I'm glad you like, said yeah. that. That is a very, very good point. It's like even removed from the reality of Facebook and like, and, you know, this did actually happen. Even if this were just a made up story. Fuck, yeah, man. So like, good. That's an incredible story. <laughs> it's so good. That yeah. is incredible. Yeah. 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 All right. That's it. That's the list. Those are the lists. Lots of really good movies. Wow. Lots of them didn't make it. Lots of them did. It has been a fucking incredible decade. Yes, it has. I can only hope that the next one is even better. We'll see. We'll see. As we get more and more Star Wars movies. Well, hey, out we're and... starting out with. <laughs> we're starting off right with. We're starting Rise out with a fucking banger with Tenet, man. Oh, yeah, Tenet, Tenet, yeah. yeah, that's true. In the Heights. In the Heights looks the Heights. great. John Wick and Mission Impossible are continuing. Um, I don't know what else is coming out next year. Soul. Soul looks good. The Pixar. Mm. Soul does look yeah, good. Soul looks really good. 2020 is just hopefully going to be a good year. Hey, you listen to this. We're curious as to what your top tens are. So if you would love to send us your lists on either Twitter, Instagram, Wherever you can find us on social media, go ahead and shoot us a list because we'd love to compare and talk about them and just love to see what you guys think. Like we said, this has been such a spectacular decade for film. It's been a great decade to be able to grow up in and see almost kind of an evolution. How stuff has changed. How, how stuff has changed, yeah. but then also... A lot of the movies on our top tens were uh, at either the beginning or the ending of the decade. I'm thinking like Raid came out in 2011. John Wick Chapter 3 was this year. Mm -hmm. You can see how things connect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's also amazing, like Damien Chazelle, to see new faces come in and just announce themselves yeah. with a fucking... Big, big players. Yeah, with, a, with, with just a fucking huge explosion. 
So yeah, I think that pretty much uh, wraps things up for the A&M Top 10 Films of the Decade. Thank you all so much for joining us for this very special episode. Tyler, thank you for your input throughout. No problem. Fucking Interstellar. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh. <laughs> you can find us on all social medias at Aaron and Marco on Instagram, at the A&M Podcast on Twitter, and then it's the A&M Podcast on SoundCloud and Spotify. And again, thank you all so much for joining us for this episode of the A&M Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did. And like we said, if you have a top 10 list of the decade, please shoot us a message. We'd really love to hear it. So yeah, thank you all so much again, and we will see you in the next one. The best, no, no, okay, so, so the best thing of the decade was the Red, Red, uh, Red Nose Day, Red Nose Day, Game of Thrones, Coldplay musical. Mm -hmm. I know that Game of Thrones and I have our differences, but the Coldplay musical, prime, prime, yep. prime material. Closer to Home is a banger. I, I can hear it on the radio. I can hear it on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't get over the picture of Cersei on the piano. <laughs> Could you let me a hand? Cause I've only got one. I miss my fingers. You miss your son. Around the world, my heart had to roam. Now I'm looking for something. A little closer to home. Pum, pum, pum. Closer to home. Closer to home. A family tree with a branch of our own. Oh, I love it. <laughs>